Hello everyone and welcome to this latest edition of 101 George Street, the podcast from Mopray, Scotland's National Centre for Children's Literature and Storytelling. My name, as ever, is John Malloy, and for this week's episode, I'm welcoming back none other than Susie Briggs and Alan McClure to the show. Based in southwest Scotland, Alan and Susie are both published authors, musicians and storytellers. They have collaborated together on numerous occasions over the years, starting out as the wee folk storytellers before going from strength to strength. In 2020, at the height of the COVID lockdown, they began producing the Are We podcast, a podcast for young people chock full of entertaining songs, stories and poems in both Scots and English. Now, before I move on to my guests, I'd just like to say that at the time of recording this, Scotland is still very much in lockdown. So recordings are continuing to be done over video conferencing. It's great, but it can sometimes result in the odd drop in sound quality. If this happens in the recording, I do apologize. Please keep this in mind. What's your favourite story? I think my favourite story is one from a book I, I might have mentioned to you last time we spoke, which is the uh, Terry Jones's Fairy Tales book. Terry Jones of Monty Python fame, who published a collection, I think in 1980, of books, uh, sorry, stories he made up for his niece or his grandniece or something like that. And there's a story in that called The Fly by Night, which uh, I think my poor mum was driven half demented having to read that to me every other, every other night. And it's a strange story because it doesn't really seem to have any particular moral. I mean, I suppose the notion of the fly-by-night is you should avoid people who don't seem to have many credentials. But it's a wee lassie who's asleep in her bed and hears a chap on the window and she opens it and there's a flying cat there with a little sooty black creature sitting on its back who invites her out for a ride. And she climbs onto the cat's back and they go up into the sky and they can hear the the stars and the moon singing, boodle-dum-dee, boodle-dum-da. And then it dumps her somewhere off in the countryside and she has to kind of get guided home on a lily pad by the reflection of the moon. And it's just such a silly sort of nonsense story, but really atmospheric and something about it just totally grabbed me. And I've I've read it to my classes when I've been teaching and it's just stuck with me. It's a lovely piece. Yeah, the great thing about Terry Jones' uh, stories, and you see this in some of the writings for Labyrinth and some of the Goblin books that he's done, or he oh, did yeah. do, is that he's full of whimsy and he's full of kind of irreverent, irreverent humour and, and gross humour that kids love. Absolutely, but he also often has like quite a good little kind of, I don't know how um, deep you want to get in this podcast, but quite a good little kind of socialist, a little bit of anarchist, a little bit of just kind of, just enough, you know, question authority, don't just take things as, as read or for granted, which I think is quite important in children's stories. You know, we're not trying to teach a, a new generation of obedient serfs. We want some critical thinkers coming up, you know, through the ranks. I think my favourite stories are, uh, well, I do love uh, what Alan's saying. I love I love the same stories as well um, for the same reasons. But just to give a different angle, um, the stories I really love are the, the old classic tales, like The Gingerbread Man, The Enormous Turnip, the magic porridge, but all those stories, uh, Three Little Pigs. These were stories that my father used to tell us and he used to put them in his own twist into them. And I think that's what's lovely about the classics is that you can, there's room to to twist them and change them a wee bit uh, to suit you uh, and to suit the audience. And I like telling my own stories. That sounds really um, big-headed, but 
the reason I like telling my own stories is because they're easier to remember because <laughs> I wrote them. <laughs> but also it gives me a chance to develop them and change them. So if a joke lands, I keep it in. If it doesn't land, then I just might not use that again. That's actually interesting. Um, before I started this job, before I started talking professionally to storytellers from around Scotland and around the world, I, I just thought storytelling was just performing monologues to stage, you know, and you know, and the more I learned about the history of storytelling and its significance to the traditions of a particular location, the more I realized that there's a lot of deep-seated tradition in storytelling as an art form. There's two schools of thought when it comes to being able to adapt certain stories where some people are quite traditional where you can't adapt it. They have to be kind of the same story has to be said over and over again with very little variation from the storyteller except the fact that they're performing this live. But there's another school of thought where the where there's a belief that be true to the story, but don't be afraid to kind of play with the story and see how it affects the audience and in turn if the audience wants to go one way with it and is reacting one way, you can then kind of adapt a little bit and kind of go with it. And I get the feeling with you, Susie, from again, the fact that you like these, these kind of classic stories, but you like to play with them and you like to adapt to the audience, kind of improvise a little bit, bounce off the audience, if you will. I get the feeling that you, you kind of, yeah. you like that idea of, of reacting to the audience and kind of going along a journey with them. Yeah. I think you can have both. They can exist, exist uh, together. You know, uh, it just depends on on the person who's telling the story. I wouldn't say you have to be exclusively one one way or another with that. Uh, I just I just like being playful. That's that's my spirit is being very playful. Uh, so like Fig's the three little grumpies on the podcast. That was the very first story I told for the podcast. I made it so that I'd forgotten that it was sticks and and. Uh, and bricks and said sausages and biscuits instead you know that happens out of I was telling the story to a bunch of wee girls under a tree one day at an event and they were like tell us another story and I was so tired and I thought oh well I'll just do the three pigs and it was just out of sheer I'm bored telling the same thing so I, I thought I'll see if they're paying attention and changed it to biscuits and sausages and stuff <laughs> And it worked, and they laughed, and they corrected me. Wayne's love to correct you. You get the same sort of um, thing in folk music, John, that you're talking about in storytelling there. You know, there's the arch traditionalists who will, you know, I've been to folk clubs up and down the country, and there's folk who will refuse to make up their own tunes because they could never hold a light to the the great the greats of the past. And I have a respect for, and I know Susie does too, for the oral tradition and the fact that we can maintain stories, some of which contain, you know, cultural gems and and even like um, uh, aspects of how you relate to the landscape and things like that, which would be lost without the oral tradition. But at the same time, without the freedom to adapt them to the new audience, they will lose meaning because they'll lose relevance because they'll be referring to things that no longer really have any part in society. And in folk music in particular, if you had stuck with the kind of you and McCall, um, it has to be exactly as it was when you heard it from your great-great-grandparents then we would have never had Bob Dylan or mm. the Beatles or, you know, the whole of popular music basically is kind of an adaptation of the tradition which had gone before. And it, we, we've always reinvented and and uh, changed. And I mean, you, you get some stories, even the, what we know of as the traditional version, 
are actually adaptations of stories from elsewhere in the world. You know, like uh, you get versions of Cinderella from um, the Middle East and India and places like that. And who knows who first came up with it, but it's been transplanted and passed around and changed to fit in with whatever culture or heritage it's being told in. So it's a perfectly valid thing to do, to adapt yeah. things. It's our common currency, isn't it? Anything folk, it's alive. And storytelling is a very, it has to be alive. Otherwise, as you say, it'll lose relevance ultimately over the over the course of years and years and years. Eventually, it'll just, people won't connect with it anymore. Or it'll be really niche and only historians or people who are really interested in the past will connect to it, but it will become dead for, for the majority of the population. And fundamentally, if you're involved in the arts and you're involved in the culture sector, what you really want to do is, is have people, as many people as possible, engage with the arts or engage with the cultural sector. Absolutely, yeah, that's it. And I think if, um, I don't know how appealing it is to the next generation of storytellers to insist that you're going to just have to try and rote learn this tale and then repeat it verbatim, you know, it's much more enthusiasm, you see more enthusiasm when, whenever anything that you present to them, and it doesn't need to be a story, it can be a, it can be facts, you want them to be kind of absorbing that and then using it in their own ways, ad- adapting things that they learn in their own ways, and of course that goes for stories too. Now, our we podcast, which I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm pronouncing the Ewa completely wrong, and I do apologise. Um, <laughs> I'm seeing it's Susie's right. face at the moment, but I, I, I love it. It's, it's funny, it's interesting, it's entertaining. But I'm actually interested. And the reason why I, I wanted you on the podcast again is I'm interested in the backstory. What is our we podcast? Well, it's uh, we have slightly different priorities with it, but there's enough common ground that it's working really nicely together. So um, Susie will talk about her love of the language and things, but for I'm it's kind of wish fulfillment for me because I was like you, John. I was a fan of the storyteller tapes back in the 90s. 80s that came out uh, sorry I'm not giving away I mean obviously there were hand-me-downs from my uh, grandparents but uh, these were tapes that came through every weekend and uh, you could read along with them and they had lovely music and sound effects and stuff and I've just always you know that's been my kind of happy memory of childhood uh, lots of happy memories of childhood but you know one of the things that I loved was just getting absorbed in these tales and I have always wanted to try and do something like that myself but never quite got around to it and going for the Scots language aspect has just given us a platform where it feels like this is a, a niche that's worth worth pursuing. I love the words, you know, I love the Scots vocabulary. I think it's tasty and delicious in your mouth, but it's also just for me, it's a chance to make up the new tunes and find sound effects and create that kind of oral world. And the, my hope is that it's just half an hour of pure escapism for whoever wants to listen to it. Obviously it's aimed at we ones, but the, um, I, th- we, I know we've got some um, parents and adult listeners around the world who are enjoying it too. So if we can just create that little magical sort of oral oral holiday for half an hour. And if you happen to pick up some delicious Scots vocabulary at the same time, then so much the better. That's kind of where, where I'm at with it. That's absolutely true. And I totally agree with Alan on that. I'm far too young to have ever experienced the storyteller <laughs> tapes. Uh, that, that's She's fact. three whole weeks younger than me, uh, John. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying anything, Alan. <laughs> exactly. Wished. <laughs> no, I never actually experienced the, t- the storyteller tapes. My storyteller experience was my dad telling stories at bedtime, and I loved it from there. And my papa telling us ghost stories sitting on his knee and absolutely terrifying us. But we loved that as well. <laughs> um, I think your wee podcast has been born out of our love for storytelling. And, you know, 
my passion is Scots language and bringing it to the fore and getting Wayne's to be excited about discovering it, not just coming out of a dry, dusty, you know, book that some adults given them. I want them to, you know, or a, or a towel or tea towel in a in a shop, you know, I want them to feel it and and hear it and understand it, especially if they're Scots speaking themselves, that their their voice is very beautiful and valid. So if they hear it, then they're going to, you know, make that connection. And there's not enough mainstream uh, Scots language content for Wayne's existing. There's absolutely nothing that I can think of that's specifically built for Wayne's. And Alan and I just thought, well, let's do it this way, you know, instead of just, you know, let's be very conscious about it, but not be purist about it either. So the, we're including English as much as we're including Scots because we're a bilingual people. A lot of us didn't realise that, but we, we are. I mean, you realise that, you, it's like, oh, I feel quite clever. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I was born out of that. And of course, years ago, Alan and I used to tell stories live as the wee folk storytellers. And oh, way back in 2000 and mumble, mumble, mumble. <laughs> when was that? <laughs> um, it's a while ago. Yeah, we used to tell the stories. A long time ago, I used to go to like the Wicker Man and festivals and stuff and have a right good time tag team telling stories. We often use the Terry Jones stories for material. Yeah, get them out there. This relates to to the storyteller tapes, actually. Um, and for the people at home, the storyteller tapes were these uh, tapes that came along with, I think it was monthly magazines that you, you used to be able to buy in sweet shops back in the 80s, back in the days when there was magazines made of paper uh, in the before times, before the internet. And you used to be able to just sort of go through the magazine and, and read the story and listen to um, the story. And they, they just, more often than not, they had some amazing actors like Richard Briers. And then you could obviously, you know, destroy the tape, which is what I did years later and, and <laughs> pull it apart and record um, the top 40 on it. But it occurred to me when I was listening to your podcast and listening to the stories and listening to the language and the music, the stories is in that. I was lucky because I had access to to the storytelling tapes and some people had access to storytellers via their grandparents, Susie, or their parents. But there's, there's a significant portion of the population of young people out there who don't have access to a natural storyteller and can't access stories for whatever reason, for whatever reason, it could be that the parents don't, don't particularly uh, not that communicative they could be they have issues with reading we don't know but being able to sit down and, and access the stories online via a podcast it kind of gives them an in to the world of storytelling gives them an into other worlds that are created for them the, the timing's not coincidental you're quite right because i mean kids right through the country have been forced into being totally digitized for the last 12 months almost and the one place where you hope that kids will be exposed to live stories every day is in the classroom because, you know, teachers are incredible about storytellers, whether they're reading the class novel or trying to explain a wee bit of history for the topic or whatever, you know, we've got some fantastic staff, talented storytellers up and down the country, but that that's the bit that's been lost over lockdown. And I think uh, we both felt that it was it, this was a nice thing to offer for kids to have access to at the moment. I like what you said about the parents there as well, because it would be so brilliant if parents sat down and listened to these with their kids. And maybe what's so particularly valuable about the kind of reinterpretation of the traditional stories, which is Susie's kind of been looking at those ones so far, anybody can do that because they all know 
these tales from when they were we themselves. And if we could just plant that wee seed that actually you don't need to be a, a creative writer or anything like that to be a storyteller. You know tales, you know these things, you've seen them in pantomimes, you've seen cartoons of them or whatever, um, you maybe got read to as a way in yourself. Re, re, revamp them, bring them out. It's a wonderful way to spend time together. In fact, it's it's probably like one of the, the foundational stones of what makes us human beings, really, is the, the idea of sitting telling stories to one another. And if if a half an hour we podcast from from a couple of storytellers who do it for the love of it has any kind of um, inspirational quality for families, then that would be a, an absolute dream come true for both of us, I think. Susie. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree, Alan. Um, it fills me with joy, the thought. I mean, we've had feedback from some of our listeners where they've taken a little selfie of them listening. And to see, you know, a mum and child sitting cuddled in together in their jammies and listening to a wee podcast before bedtime. And it's great because if you're not a, if you're not a really, you know, if you're not keen on reading or you just want a wee break from reading a children's story, you can say, have a listen, we'll cuddle in, we'll listen to this. And it's, we, you know, we believe that it's entertaining for both um, the adults and the children because the feedback we're getting is the adults find it really relaxing. It really chills them out, makes them feel playful and childlike again. It puts a big grin on their face. And we so need that right now more than any other time that, that I've been living on the planet. So we've done the right thing, Alan, by making it now. I mean, that leads me on to the next question, which is how did you guys go about making it? Why did you decide right now? Is You've kind of answered a little bit of this, but why, why now? And how did you both go about making it? Why did you suddenly go, right, we're going to do this? Well, it's it, we've been planning to work together again for years and years and years and years because we did, as Susie said, we were storytellers together at, in festivals and things. We both did the tail. We told you this before, I think, John, we both did the Tailblazers course with mm. the magnificent Tony Bonning and Anne Errington. Um, but life has kind of gotten in the way a bit. And I've, I've been a full-time teacher for the last decade. And Susie's been busy with her, um, her fabulous working in care homes and things. So we both... We've both been busy and uh, uh, there's been one good thing about this pandemic is that free time has suddenly been available and I'm on creative sabbatical just now anyway. So I think it just felt for both of us that the time was right. And as to how we do it, we obviously the one downside is that we've not been able to do it together. I'm looking forward to the time when we can both be in a room and, you know, maybe doing some duets because there's, there's songs as well as stories in the podcasts and Susie's a fabulous singer too, but we haven't got captured her voice on that yet. So that's to come but uh, in the meantime it's it's all over the internet Susie records her bits at home sends them over to me I complain bitterly and send them back and demand that she does it better and sends them back I'm only joking but <laughs> uh, I've got to you That's know absolutely all the true. Kind of... <laughs> and uh, I get the it's it's actually really lovely because it's just when the, when there's a new episode coming up, I know that's going to be like a week's work and it's going to be a week of listening to Glakitwee tales and thinking of funny sound effects and funny music to put to it. So it's an unmitigated pleasure at the moment and it's going to be even better when we can actually be, um, you know, working together, maybe even have two voices in a story, have different character voices. The opportunities are, are going to come along. This actually, this harkens back to um, the... 
the, the previous episode, last week's episode, actually, where I was speaking to a physical theatre storyteller actor uh, called Fred Hopkins. He's based in the north of England, but he does a lot of work in um, Scotland. And he was mentioning that even though the pandemic is horrendous, what it has done is it's forced people to sort of sit with with spare time and you know spare time is at a premium before certainly before the, the uh, pandemic he was able to actually go right hang on the technology exists at for the first time possibly where we could i can do things with a friend of mine or a collaborator who is the other side of the country and we can do something together we could put on an audio play like a performance and we don't actually need to be physically in the same room to do it we don't need to share a microphone in a sound recording studio and as soon as he made that connection all right okay yeah we can do that we just need two really good usb mics that must have been a really amazing experience for you guys to suddenly go on oh, hang on we don't need to share the room yeah absolutely i mean i've been watching a, a show called you call that radio it was a podcast, but then it became a sort of video show as well. And it was live streams. And it was Mark McGee who hosts that that kind of inspired me to actually, like a little seed of the idea that you can actually collaborate and work with someone in their house. Mm. That was quite exciting. So once we worked that out, and of course there's the free time, and also you've got time to think, well, what, what am I going to do with this creativity that's... I'm, you know, I'm bursting at the seams with creativity. What can I do? I've made, made as many face masks as I, I care to make. I don't want to make <laughs> any more. <laughs> I started needle felting. I did, I've been doing a couch to 5K. But I wanted to do something incredibly creative. And it just felt right to, you know, to do this. This felt good. It, it's been giving me a great focus. And while it's not... Um, no, it's not a good money spinner. We, you know, we're nobody's paying us to do this. Just we're doing this out of the love in our heart, you know, for storytelling and for working together. You know, we're relying on donations from uh, Bias of Coffee. And um, so, you know, it's not it's not a money making scheme. This, this is this is pure creativity. And, and when you're in, sitting there in lockdown, you start thinking, well, what is important? Yeah, you do need to make money, but it's actually really quite nice just to make something amazing. Susie's right. If you're compelled to do something, if you're just compelled to do it, you can't just stop just because you're not going to be getting, you know, you're not, no one's actually asked you to come along and do it. There is something very liberating about just deciding. And do you know what? That actually doesn't just go for telling stories. It does also go for using the Scots language because there, there are folk who are nervous about using it because they've seen people being critical of it in the past. And, you know, certainly we had generations, it's not so bad now, but we did have generations where people were discouraged from using it in the school and you were told that that was, you know, incorrect language and um, that you've got to speak properly and things like that. And so folk have been a wee bit nervous. Some folk have been a bit nervous about using it in, in creative output, whether it's popular music or stories or whatever. And, you know, we've just, it might be because we've been out the loop for a year, but we've just both kind of pig-headedly thought oh this is what we want today so we're going to do it and and nobody can stop us <laughs> you know there is the the internet is an amazing platform for for everybody for better or for worse i hope that our contribution is is amongst the positive ones you know we're not out to we're not out to do anybody down our only wish is that folk will have a nice time when they listen to what we're doing and we aren't making any big political with a capital p point or anything like that these are tales for anyone and we, we enjoy each other's voices and we have done for years and we enjoy the stories and we just both passionately believe in the value of story as a, 
as a unifying um, part of society. So it has been great. And technology has been a huge help for it too. And we wouldn't have been able to do it really without it. Or Susie could have done her one at home and I could have done mine at home. But the the whole fact of still being able to collaborate, even when we're, you know, we're, we're stuck indoors or, or whatever, has been, um, I th- well, it's been really important, actually. It's been probably the most positive thing I've been working on. And that's good for your mental health and good for your self-esteem and all those sorts of things. It has been pretty, it's been great. Excellent. And where could we find the podcast? You can find it on our host site at Podient, but you can also find it, it's distributed from there to places like iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, all the platforms that you can get music or podcast from. You can also get it from www.nipnebs.com, which is the my website for, for my book. Um, and the reason it's on there is because the audiobooks that were narrated by Gary Lewis and the music and the soundscape was uh, created by Alan. The selling of the audiobooks actually pays for the podcast. In terms of content, what are the kind of things that we, um, we would expect when we listen to the podcast? Well, so far we've had, it's been two sort of longish, or one, one longish story each. Then we also have the occasional wee poem. Susie writes lovely little poems for kids. And I like putting the sound effects and things on those. And we also have a weekly feature, or not weekly, sorry, I should say, a feature every month called Scottify, where Susie challenges me to write a brand new song based around a particular Scots word that's a favourite of hers or a favourite of our um, our listeners. So we've got uh, the, the Scottify challenge every month. The first one was, uh, this, the word was shugle. So we had a, a song about Dougal, who has to give himself a shugle because he's feared to go into school because he hasn't done his homework and things. Last week, the last one was the uh, the Bahuki song, which was voted for by our wretched listeners who couldn't think of a nicer word than Bahuki. But the one we'd like to play you on, if we may, which is uh, for the word puddock, which was a very seasonally appropriate one because we the podcast went out in March, which was just when all the wee puddocks had looped back into my pond and we had a pond full of frogs pond. So we have the puddock song for you if you'd like to hear it. Absolutely. It's time for Scottify, in which Susie challenges Alan to write a song about a Scots word. Hello, Alan. Last month you made a bra we sang about the word stushy. That's still burling about in my head. I've got a new Scottify song challenge for you. This word is one of my favourites. The word is Puddock I'm a puddock in a shuck and a loud fair lily pad Guddle in the broad brown dub Like a feasty or a beastie I can pop in and a beastie tuck a lang if I want some grub Geezer and our geezer and I geezer B-B-I-T Geezer ribbit 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 crook a lang with me Crook a lang with me Crook a lang with me I'm a puddock in a loch thinking Och, what a holiday, what could be better than this? Share my patter in the water, we a splash and we a splatter Tuck a duke, it's a life for bliss Gaze a P-U-D-D-O-C-K I'm a puddock, I'm a puddock, we a lot to say We a lot to say Ribbit, ribbit, ribbit We a lot to say Ribbit, ribbit, ribbit 
I am amphibulously fabulous and real I'm just as happy breathing water, breathing air I never have to brush my teeth or comb my hair Oh wow, I they want to be a puddle Puddock again? Uh, no. Yes, you have. Look at the state of your clothes. You're not coming in the house like that. Oh, shell. fantastic thank you so much it was a wonderful song um, i'm really interested about because obviously it's been oh it's been about a year since i last spoke to you guys on 101 george street and i'm really interested in what you guys have been up to during the lockdowns and and during the last year susie oh i've been up to all sorts of things i've been crafting i've been i've been trying to get fit which has been interesting and uh, i've been getting commissions to write new stuff in scots for Wayne's. Which, which has been really fun, uh, doing another translation for Grim, Ichiku Book of Grimm's Fairy Tales, which should be out in August this year. I was working with Mrs Kerr again at St Andrew's Primary School during the second lockdown. We did another uh, Nip Nebs in the Last Berry glossary. That should be out soon. And I've also been working with the Scots Language Centre on a very, quite a big Scots literacy um, project, which should be launched quite soon as well. So I've not, not been idle. Uh, Jack's Well came out, my second novel, and Moat Bray were very kind in helping me to promote that, but it came out at a fairly rotten time, so it's kind of... I'm hoping that when lockdown is lifted, I can maybe give that one a wee shunt. But in the meantime, I'm working on the sequel to my first novel, Callum and the Mountain. So this there's a novel that takes place two or three years after the events of that novel. And I've also just been learning my chops in terms of production, so musical production. And I've been lucky to get a couple of commissions for uh, incidental music. The Crichton Carbon Centre wanted a piece to go with their peatland preservation project, so I wrote them a piece. And then the Kirkubri Development Trust has put together a lovely video promoting Kirkubri as a destination and as a place to do business. So I got to make some music for that as well. And, you know, that's something I would love to do more of. The, I said earlier that the music aspect of the podcast has been a real highlight for me. I just love, absolutely love making music. And uh, I am really missing doing it with other people, you know, uh, getting in a room with folk and having a jam. But I now know the technology well enough to almost be able to simulate that on my own. You know, I can get the, I can make the drum beat and I can play the bass and I can do the, the keyboards and things. And if it's a song, then I can sing over the top of it. So uh, I suppose trying to pretend that things are almost normal has been has been a bit of a driver to increasing my uh, my creative skill set to some extent. I'm looking forward to getting out of lockdown, though it has to be said. <laughs> what are your future plans, Susie? <laughs> my future plans? Oh, uh, future plans is uh, to take over the world. No, not really. Uh, 
I, I, we're going to launch the We Folk website quite soon. Just just relaunch the We Folk Storytellers in, in some way. Uh, we're, it'll be a, a place where we'll consolidate our work collectively um, and individually that's uh, supportive of Scots language and storytelling. Alan? Well, I've, I'm taking another year of sabbatical uh, which is going to be a little bit of a bit of a pinch, but I've got a very understanding wife. But the you'll understand that a lot of the things I was hoping to do this year haven't been possible. Mm. So for, for one thing, gigs have been completely off the table. So it ha- this year hasn't really been a good proof of concept. So I'm going to have another year of that with the expectation of going back to teaching afterwards, but hopefully with some new uh, skills to take to the classroom. You know, a bit more, a bit more music, a bit more tech savvy as well. I think a lot of teachers have had to get that way over the last year, but. Um, that's going to be valuable and just continue writing and continue uh, collaborating as well as well as doing the podcast with Susie and you know as she says working on the We Folk stuff I've been co-writing some songs with an author in Texas who wanted to try it he's on the same publisher as me so we have about an album's worth of stuff now that we're going to work on and I have a friend down in Hull who's doing a music PhD who wanted some lyrics for some of his pieces and we're hopefully going to be able to get back together and finish those off and just get back into the world a bit, I think. I mean, I've, uh, I think um, dreams of uh, superstardom are long behind me now, I've got, I'm glad to say. <laughs> so the, the re- my main aim is to just keep improving at things. I'm, I'm really enjoying illustration at the moment, actually. You know, the, the storyteller tapes used to come with colour in pages, as you'll recall. So I've been kind of trying to emulate that with pictures from the stories we're telling. And you can find those on our Facebook group. So I'm kind of getting a wee bit better at, uh, at um, illustration I may try I know there are proper illustrators out there who'll be gritting their teeth but I might try illustrating some of my kind of little short stories for picture books and just see how it goes and everything's just an excuse to get better at stuff and to practice things and to have a bit of fun really absolutely absolutely guys thank you so much for appearing on the show i really appreciate it and good luck with the podcast i've had a listen to it it's fantastic and for the listeners at home please check them out um we'll add a link to the relevant descriptions and yeah good luck with it thank you john lovely chatting to you see you soon thanks for having us on well there you are folks that's it for now don't forget to like subscribe or leave a comment until next time stay safe and stay creative.